1: Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. All right, we are ready to go here. Green tea in hand. Cat sadly no longer on my lap she just went to go get some food but fear not we have mark stein with us uh, for the first time in a while much to talk about uh, since our last visit which i think was in like july
0: well no wonder i'm no good at this i didn't know i was supposed to have a green tea in hand i have a cappuccino and that's probably why oh my voice doesn't
1: sound as good as i i would love to have a cappuccino in hand actually but i uh, lack the means to make it uh, at home at at this point um so uh, were you there last night for uh dave yeager's uh interesting comments i was yes uh i
0: wasn't i wasn't in i wasn't in the scrum but i was in the building and you know at first i thought it was my good friend tim mcmahon that lovable muckraker i thought it was him just stirring up trouble like he likes to do he was the first guy i saw who, who tweeted dave's comments but no it, it was it was the buzz of the building last night beyond De'Aaron fox De'Aaron fox uh eventually rested the buzz of the building honors he was sensational but uh, no, I mean that's that quote is an eyebrow raiser for sure. Yeah,
1: Jaeger yesterday essentially saying that. Well, there was a feeling that there is a ceiling on Luca, and I don't believe that to be the case. And it's uh, unfortunate for us, <laughs> which was uh, pretty remarkable. And uh, you know, there is. A feeling in my mind that the coaches, because it only these things only come out obviously when the guy is doing better than the guy that the team picked and the coach wanted that guy, you know. And of course, Dave is not immune to that. You'll recall that years ago in Memphis, he made it quite clear that he preferred Rodney Hood over Jordan Adams, who they drafted and then you know his career never got started with injuries. Hood, you know, eventually hasn't turned out to be a huge difference maker in his own right. But is this? indicative of what's going on in sacramento right now Uh, after that story by haynes that you know he was in trouble despite this amazing start
0: well look we might be we might be guilty of being somewhat unfair and trying to jump into the man's head because none of us can get into his head and you know i suppose he will be asked to expound on that comment in the near future and you know is he going to say by unfortunately for us did he mean was he using us in the royal we fashion and speaking about the whole league that it's unfortunate That Dallas was able to get Doncic. I don't think uh, that's gonna be a pretty tough sell because no one is obviously taking it that way. Obviously, the interpretation that everyone has is that this was a thinly veiled shot at management for passing on Doncic, taking Bagley instead. And look, I think, as you noted, Jaeger's history is such that he's not afraid to to make a little dig like this. He's clearly feeling himself right now, and he should. I mean, they are exceeding expectations. (laughs) No one on this planet planet thought that this Sacramento team was capable of what we're seeing he's got to be in the coach of the year running as a result and you know they look they look pretty darn legit if we mean legit is competing for a playoff berth so you know Chris Haynes had the excellent story about what's going on there behind the scenes I firmly believe every word of it I think there is undeniable conflict tension whatever word you want to choose between Jaeger and Brandon Williams And, and Brandon Williams has a lot of juice and is held in very high standing in sacramento even though he's not the in charge guy vlade divas is the guy in charge but i don't think anyone would would, you know can diminish or dispute brandon williams voice in sacramento so it's a real thing and this is going to shine a new spotlight
1: on it but i'd also say jaeger's never really been afraid of doing that do you have a sense uh, other than this you know not playing marvin bagley enough thing which you know bagley's still playing 20 minutes a game he's putting up you know decent box score stats at least I haven't been as effective with him on the floor obviously and, and I, I don't think there's an argument that you know he's been anywhere near as good as lucas so far but do you have a sense of what uh, the conflict is there uh, and uh, or if it's simply that i mean it's got to be more than that you would think I I, look. I think
0: not playing Bagley as much as management would like is is certainly part of it. You know, there have also been rumbles that you know Yogi Ferrell hasn't gotten as as much. Yeah. run as management or certain people in management. Would that like,
1: one I actually agree with based management on. The, on. Uh, I, I, and Farrell's been playing uh, a little more recently.
0: So, you know, playing-wise, I think it focuses on those two. Uh, you know, is it a personality conflict? You know, I, I can't say that I, I know this terrain as, as well as Chris Haynes does. You know, I'm taking most of my cues from from his reporting on But look, I, I you know, there were times that that Dave was at odds with people in Memphis and he's a feisty character i'll put it like that so uh, you know again he's he's feeling very good about himself i'm sure there's a sense on his side that he's done a good job there hasn't been extended uh, you know that that always makes things uneasy but you know i think the the fans they're kind of on his side right now because this team is exceeding expectations to such a degree and they look good i mean that was my first in-person viewing of them sunday night but uh man fox fox is look they've got they've got a very good point guard they've got shooters they've got rim roller and collie stein they've got a lot of pieces and it's it's come together nicely
1: yeah, you know, I'm not sure what the next step is with them not having a, their first round draft pick, um, but and Jaeger, I mean, he's had some access to grind perhaps. Fairly so about them not having a stretch four available until uh, they brought in Bielitzo this year and you know, he's probably thinking, well, and and maybe their thought was Bielitzo was going to play the 3, but that's ridiculous. You know, he's too slow to play the 3. Um, so he's playing him at the 4 and he's got to think like, you signed this guy to so I could finally have a stretch 4 and now you want me to play a guy who again doesn't have any any stretch at all. Um so I understand that, but it seems yeah. You
0: give a coach you give a coach veterans, he's going to play yeah. them more more often than not.
1: Yeah, I mean and this is one of those cases where, okay, let's say Dave Yeager decides, all right, you know what, I'm not I'm gonna start Marvin Bagley. I'm not gonna play B Elites anymore The numbers with B elites on the floor are really good. He's shooting like 45% from three. Uh so then number one, okay, you give into management, that's great. But now you're gonna lose more games and therefore give management the ability to fire you and have some cover for it right i mean that's the only reason he has immunity right now it would seem is because they're too good for them to fire that that's what they really want so you're playing into management's hands there because number one if you play bagley he puts up more stats and he's playing more and like management looks better for taking him and they get more capital and then you've also are going to lose more games and you're more likely to get fired so of he's not playing him
0: and look it's hard to pinpoint exactly what they mean yes <laughs> You know, has <laughs> come out and said he's tried to say, no, we're behind our coach. And look, the way they've started this. Be- behind
1: season, their coach they with they a knife, perhaps. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, look, look, they, they, they have the longest playoff drought in the league and you know if 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 they can't muster harmony right now then, then not a good sign
1: yeah i mean you would think like yeah, this is finally good. what they've been waiting for and i still i mean the, the regression has to come at some point you would think um but they've obviously been awesome and
0: yeah. that's okay too we I, I don't think you can now if they look if they come back to earth or regress to the mean or whatever term you want to use if they finish 38 and 44 and don't make the playoffs you know i'm not going to speed what sitting here saying that this is a massive failure because again that you know what we're seeing if someone out there was smart enough to to predict it in late september early october my hat's off to him because you know i'll put my hand up right away and say i didn't see anything remotely
1: close yeah to no me too i i uh i had them with i think 23 wins at, and worse than the suns and being the worst team in basketball i had them as being worse than the hawks obviously that was uh quite incorrect let's turn now to the drama of the weekend the failed washington uh phoenix and memphis trade danny and i gave our thoughts on that yesterday but i want to just give you the floor here to, to talk about uh what you make of uh, this fairly ridiculous situation with uh, apparently confusion over which brooks was in the trade leading to its uh initial demise
0: ridiculous but irresistible it was a pretty good <laughs> friday night for nba observers let's just say that uh, you didn't need to go to the club friday night for a good for a good uh, a good night out all you had to do is be on twitter what, what's for a this- club I mean, that's, that's where I hear people go to entertain themselves. I, you know, I don't. Uh, look, it's a, this is another one where, who are you going to believe? The Grizzlies are adamant that Dylan Brooks was never discussed as any part of this process. There are people around the league who would say, no, actually, there were some discussions. The Suns asked for his medical record. So now the one thing I have to say here, the Grizzlies are saying all their denials are coming on the record. I think, you know, we have to take that into account that they're publicly, you know, Chris Wallace publicly and forcefully came out with his version. Yeah,
1: I, I thought there was the an, an interesting part of that, though, where he said as part of this trade, which made me think okay now you can kind of slide behind that as like all right maybe there's some other conception of the deal in which they were uh, discussing dylan brooks Um,
0: And look, normally, normally, when a team is willing to dispute something on the record, normally, you you take that as a much stronger denial than a sources said denial. When a team is willing to come out and put its name on something in terms of saying this didn't happen, you normally give that a lot more credence. But I would also say uh, somewhat self-servingly so, in November, on a Sunday in November, I reported that Carmelo Anthony's time with the Houston Rockets would be ending very soon. That same <laughs> night, Daryl Morey had a pregame press gathering where he said that w- report was that, inaccurate. That was so and weird. Four days later, Carmelo Anthony was no longer on the Houston Rockets. So it's not a blanket thing. It doesn't always happen. Teams have reasons for denying things that they don't want out because for whatever reason they're trying to appease a certain party or whatever their strategy is. You know, Teams, have, teams obviously have their reasons for doing things. Um,
1: I, how does how does it, how does it make know. you feel by on the way this one. when you know you have something and it's solid and Daryl and again Daryl if you really listen to precisely what he said he was very forceful and very vehement and saying it was unfair and didn't actually truly dispute that that the report was incorrect but like but but you had it like does that annoy you like when he just like that's his job and again he
0: he's running an organization and for some i'm sure you know daryl morey if we're talking about gms who've been good with the media daryl morey pretty much has to be at or near the top of the list so you know for whatever reason i'm sure they had some strategic need felt some strategic need to deny the report in the moment um all i'm saying is it just it's just indicative of teams say stuff sometimes that that you know there's some nuance and semantics in there too that we that is not not always easy to unearth in this case it's really a it's really a he said he said thing I mean who do, who do you want to believe you know Friday night after this thing fell apart you saw all kinds of reports that um, the Suns felt that that Memphis just backed out of this and that Dylan Brooks was definitely discussed the Grizzlies are adamant that Dylan Brooks was never discussed are we ever going to get to the bottom of it I'm not sure
1: well and for me you made a great point about the medical records Dylan Brooks is interesting. Right now, so there's no way that this trade would have been made without the medical records, and there's no way that the Suns would have thought we're getting Dylan Brooks and we didn't get the medical records. So clearly, those records. I mean, I know that people love to shit on the Suns, but like it, it's clear to me that at the very least, they would have gotten those those records. And so, whether it was some earlier discussion here's, an,
0: here's another Suns. Here's another Suns argument. If you're not getting Dylan Brooks, why even involve the Grizzlies oh, in yeah. the trade? They, they could have just made the trade that they ended up making. You know. Dylan Brooks was, you know, maybe prize is too strong, but a nice piece to have gotten if they could have managed it. So I think that's kind of the Phoenix argument that why why would they have even tried if they weren't getting Dylan Brooks on it?
1: No, I I find uh, Memphis' argument the most uh or or i should say the least compelling and who knows maybe it was chris wallace agreed to the deal and then pira vetoed it or you know just uh, they they ran some kind of a survey in the local market and dylan brooks is beloved by the memphis market or something Who, who knows what it was uh so but the eventual trade was made just between phoenix and washington and this is a little surprising i mean if you had to do a power rankings of who is going to get trevor ariza when the sweepstakes started about a week ago you know washington would not have been at the top of the list so again i mean just your thoughts on, on him going to washington and you know why or you know who else might have been in it and couldn't get it done
0: well, I think there were, I mean, you, 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 the phrase that was going around were several contenders. You know, do I know them all? Can I sit here and tell you I know them all? No. I mean, just from a common sense standpoint, I'm guessing Oklahoma City would have loved to have jumped into it if not for the fact that they already have in a massive luxury tax bill. And I don't know if there was really a workable way for them to even get Ariza, but with, with Robertson's ongoing injury woes, I mean, you could certainly see that the Thunder would have at least explored it. Um, look, Washington needed to do something in terms of a shakeup. You know, I guess this checks that box. Ariza had a very strong first tour with the Wizards, but you know, they lost out here because in the in the three-team construction, at least they're getting some draft compensation with it. They don't get those draft picks now, so I think that that's definitely a loss for them and and look, I know they weren't going to sign Oubre this summer. All signs are pointed to that but if they don't sign Ariza either, you you gave up a fair bit for Oubre and you've now traded him for maybe a half season of Ariza, and that's it. That that's that's a tough one to take. I think. Yeah. I Think from a, a Washington perspective, from the Phoenix perspective. Now people are going to say, okay, they didn't get a point guard, which is what they obviously need. That's true, but I would also say Rivers and Ubre are still flippable between now and the trade deadline. So are they done? Do they conceivably move either one of those guys? Uh, you know, especially Ubre. I would think they're they're you know he doesn't have a big number, but would there be interest in him? I think so. So are the Suns necessarily done? Here, I don't. I, I wouldn't say that.
1: Yeah, and you know, I'm not sure that there's a huge impetus to get a point guard right now for Phoenix. I mean, they're clearly out of it. They're playing for draft positioning. They've had reasonable success with Booker at the one and bringing in Oubre, it gives them a little bit more ability to do that now with depth uh, at, you know, the two, three positions. Um, You know, I think they're going to miss having Ariza at the four, but, you know, again, they were, you could win six games with or without Trevor Ariza. You know, the Lakers, there was a lot of smoke there. I was very skeptical that there was a concern instruction that would work there i mean was there any indication that that was close or was that just kind of more pr maybe both from mints and the lakers
0: i don't even know why they wanted a result i just i i don't really understand it you're overloaded at that position as it is so um you know is it is it a situation where they thought hey it's a veteran that would excite lebron a short-term veteran we can bring in without messing up any of our future plans you know I, i guess you could sell it from that perspective but i i don't i don't see a huge huge need for for reza with the Lakers. Tyson Chandler they needed Tyson Chandler and now with Tyson Chandler and JaVel McGee they've actually put together a very nice two-headed center I don't you know I don't even know really what the burning need for reza was now KCP is a name we continue to hear I think Houston remains very interested in trying to figure out a way to get KCP to spruce themselves up on the wing can they assemble a multi-team is there somebody they can rope in to give the Lakers what they want to where they would be willing to, to part with Caldwell Pope I think that's one you definitely need to keep your eye on
1: and Caldwell Pope actually has been playing better of late he had a rough start to the year with some neat to that. I actually think a would have helped the Lakers quite a bit if only because if they match up with Golden State uh he could have guarded Kevin Durant I think he's he's a better fit than Brandon Ingram for what they're trying to do right now just as more of an off-ball guy the LeBron Ingram fit has been a, a little bit dicey to me but yeah I mean I you know I'm not sure that Ariza necessarily would have been better than KCP he just has a little bit more size uh going forward here and it's it seemed like KCP wanted out somewhere where he was going to play more. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that never made sense because the Lakers were never going to give up anything to to get him. I mean, KCP in a second-round draft pick, you know, that wasn't going to get it done. From Phoenix's perspective, especially given Sarver's uh, well-known distaste for the Lakers— uh, Sarver and the Suns, also apparently seem to have a, a well-known uh, distaste for Markel Fultz, and I always thought that a reasonable construction would be Ariza for Fultz uh, and maybe a little more salary filler to get to the deal done. Apparently, Phoenix wasn't interested in that, or you know, perhaps with this latest Keith uh, Pope report that Phoenix is still expecting the moon for Marco Fultz and, and doesn't want to move him. Where do you think his trade value is right now, talking about Fultz here?
0: It's, it's very low, yeah. and that's why I think Philly knows they really can't. You're not going to get, they gave up a ton for him. You're not going to get anywhere. Like, when, when you hear other teams talk about Fultz, nobody is even, the words first round pick do not come up yeah. when you talk to other teams about Fultz. And it just, it makes more sense for them to try to rebuild this guy and see maybe you know maybe around the draft can you can will his value rebound to some degree it's it's a really sad i I don't know how his value could possibly
1: go up though i mean he's not gonna play or he's gonna play you know five minutes a game off the bench i mean unless they send him to the g league and he dominates realistically
0: realistically realistically you're absolutely right what miracle is going to happen between now and the draft to rebuild his value but his value is in the basement right now so it just if you're Philly, I just don't think you can trade him, and i I would imagine that they have formed enough of a connection with with Fultz that they want to try to help him at this. Point. I mean, just just turning around and trading him, it just doesn't work. I I, I just I, I don't think that's the play. Now watch by the time you post this, traded him. I, I, I'm not I'm not expecting
1: it. Yeah, I, I mean, and it seems like they're expecting a lot for him. It's just that, to me i just don't see well you have to yeah. try
0: i mean they have to they have to let that out yeah. i mean they have to make that be known because the offers they're getting are enough
1: yeah and maybe that's why the they're leaking that to try and drum that up a little bit but i mean you know even offloading him for free at this point now they could always just stretch him if they absolutely needed the cap space he would only count for three million the next few years um this summer yeah,
0: but, look now if they could if they could have gotten ariza now that's a team yeah. where you know i, I think ariza would have been a a very clear short-term difference maker than there. And maybe, maybe you know, you said about the lake is interesting. Maybe I'm underselling the impact you could have had in L.A. But I think you know Philadelphia is a thin team that needs reinforcements beyond its top guys. So if they could have found a way for Riza, maybe maybe it's worth exploring. If from the Philly perspective, you have that we gotta win this season kind of mentality. I don't know that the Sixers. I don't know that's the place that the Sixers are in right now. But even even for Riza, if it's just a Riza and you know a lowly pick, just again remember what they did to get full makes more sense to me that they're going to try to rehab all
1: right well we'll talk a little bit more about philly and what else they might do to upgrade their team and also some other contenders right after this with the holidays upon us i think the best gifts are experiential i think research has actually shown that experiences are more lasting than just stuff. And so if you want to buy a great experience, SeatGeek is the way to go. But getting tickets online can be complicated. I understand that. But with SeatGeek, you don't have to worry about that anymore. They pull millions of tickets into one place so you can easily find the seats you want for a price that you're willing to pay. Every ticket on SeatGeek is fully guaranteed and they rank every ticket based on value. So now you just saved a ton of time and probably money as well by being able to pick the best ticket in the area you want to sit immediately and get the best value. Just look for that big dark green dot in the section you want to sit. To get started with SeatGeek, download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code CAPSPACE today. You remember we talk about CAPSPACE all the time on the program. That's promo code space and that'll get you $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase once again that's promo code Capspace for $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase SeatGeek life's an event we have the tickets and don't forget that Capspace code to let them know that you came from us so I mean I think Philly should be in win now mode at this point I mean you've got Simmons Embiid and Butler they still play really well whenever Embiid is on the floor but their depth is totally compromised I mean they really have one other forward on this roster that's Chandler and and, you know even he is not playing particularly well right now so uh, my feeling you know I, it's rare that i will go to this length but they gotta make a move here mark they got to uh, i mean it, but you, you don't sense that's forthcoming for them at, at this point
0: no i guess i was just saying in reference
1: to Fultz, yeah. if you know
0: if, if if they could get a short-term unquestioned difference maker for faults then i suppose you look at it but you know i don't know i don't know that they're applying a win at all cost mentality to this season yet and you know maybe they are, maybe they should. I mean, they, they made, they made the biggest win now move you can make by getting Jimmy Butler. You know, I think all signs point to them keeping Butler. So, you know, they're, they're still building something there and they, you know, they lost Bellinelli and Ilyasova and haven't properly replaced, replaced them. But I think you got to give them a minute too, because, you know, no matter what happens between now and the deadline on February 7th, I think the Sixers have made the biggest trade. We're going to, we're likely to see and a move that I, I'm a big Jimmy Butler fan i really like the move they made so uh, I'm, I'm just saying I, I think they've bought themselves a little bit of time here to to take a more reasoned view of the landscape because they've already
1: made the move for buck yeah to me part of the reason i think you know if you're say the memphis grizzlies or or something like that or you're a, a deeper team that doesn't have any huge holes it maybe it doesn't make as much sense to make a trade because you can't upgrade as much but they have you know these kind of replacement level guys right now especially defensively in their rotation the other problem that they face though is if you're gonna pick up a player who's good i mean number one they probably want him to be on an expiring contract it's because they still have these Cap space aspirations uh, for next year, and number two, matching salary is tough, right? I mean, they got Mike Muscala making five million. They got Justin Patton making two point seven. Maz maybe they could trade just for salary filler, but they don't really have any big salaries. They kind of almost need Fultz in there if they really want to pick up someone who's making a lot uh, in a potential deal. But uh, enough on Philly. Who else? Yeah, go so, ahead. so I guess
0: to, our, to try to, to try to articulate it better, if you're gonna trade Fultz. Yeah at this point in his career for a veteran player to give you depth you better be real sure that it's going to be it's going to work out even better than the Bellinelli and Ilyasova pickups did because I mean Fultz is still young enough and maybe I'm just being a basketball romantic here but I I want to believe he's salvageable I want to believe there's a way that they could at least get him back to functional NBA player and it's just it's just too soon to give up on him for me you know I I I I can't look at this callously and just say, yes, let's move faults to get our six, our new fifth or sixth best guy. Like, I, I don't know. That's just,
1: yeah, I, I understand that viewpoint too. I mean, and I think actually this thoracic outlet uh, syndrome, you know, who knows how real that is, but at least to have, a physical diagnosis for his problems and that something that could maybe be addressed gives more hope than oh he's got the yips he's never going to get it back you know which was kind of the operating theory previous to this um so i I think that's good but it's just the chances of him blossoming in philly with the the construction they have now with butler and simmons and it's just it's i think he can be an effective player perhaps uh, but you know expect him to be just like that good of a shooter the way he was at washington after you know essentially two years of of wallowing here with the jump shot it seems maybe unrealistic to me so that's a, I understand the point of oh man he could still blossom but i just don't see how he does that in philly and so you know i think you just have to view him as a sunk cost and it seems like uh, keith's story in particular was emphasizing the optics of it a lot of like okay we gave all this up to draft him and now we're gonna move him and what if he blossoms elsewhere and we look really bad but it's like but he's if he wasn't going to blossom in Philly, you know, what does it matter? That's kind of my thought.
0: Well, I think one other thing to factor in here though, is, you know, the top of the, you know, the the East has been our punching bag. It's been my punching bag for 20 years, but the top of the East, the top of the East looks dangerous. And so I think that also has to factor into your equation that even if they make one more move and fortify their bench and get a good supporting cast guy to fit in around their big four or five, does that for sure get them out of the East? I don't know. Not, you know, Boston starts to put it together toronto obviously looks great we know about milwaukee we never ever ever talk about the pacers and i'm as guilty of this as anyone and you know as we're taping this what are they 20 and 10 and surprising the league even more than they did last year and they did it without oladipo for 11 games so you know i if i'm philly i'm probably factoring in that too you know i don't know that the east is quote there for the take
1: yeah although at some point too uh- I mean, Jimmy Butler, while there is the school of thought that he's just going to get paid and that's what's going to keep him there. I mean, if they have a desultory second round exit, you know, maybe Butler would look to move on. Like they need to convince him to stay. Uh, You know, the money will be a big part of that, but you'd think there's a little bit more to it as well. I mean, and this is just an opportunity. I mean, Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, Butler, like Butler, this is the best year that Butler is ever going to have probably with Philly. You know, he's going to be 30. And when you can upgrade your team Team, when you have clear holes that can be upgraded you know i think that's when it makes the most sense for a trade but there are other teams i think that need to upgrade anybody stick out to you both either in terms of what you're hearing or just teams that have a, a clear hole uh that a lot yeah. of
0: teams a lot of teams in the west but i would say right now i think it's fair to say there are more buyers than sellers and maybe yeah. part of it probably is that in the west west we credibly have 13 i'm gonna say i'm gonna exclude minnesota from this conversation they obviously just had a really bad road trip and even when they did well in the immediate aftermath of the Butler trade i think some of the teams they were beating were were on the weak yeah. side so i'm i, I don't think minnesota's going to hang but 13 we got 13 teams playing for eight playoff spots so that makes some of those teams needy in the manner that you're describing but it also makes teams probably less willing to part with pieces cuz they feel pretty decent about themselves right now so new orleans clearly wants to do oh, something yeah. i w- i would put dallas in that category really dallas the, the,
1: so so they Houston's at so, so you think dallas wants to like make a, a playoff push uh, this year now with the, with this nice start th- they think, bet
0: yes and i think they're i think that you know that's just their nature they're just they're a team that likes to make trades so i think i think hmm. they are looking but look, the the top of the list is Houston. I mean, they, they're they obviously, they know they need to do something on the wing sooner rather than later. So I think the Rockets are at the front of the line, maybe, maybe co-tied with the Pelicans.
1: Yeah, it's so interesting, right? Because the first round pick for expiring contract role player, I mean, those have been some of the worst trades that have been made. And I, I think after, I want to say it was 2016, no i'm sorry 20 2015 the Aaron aflalo trade uh where portland got him from denver like you know that that really ended up looking looking pretty bad uh even denver making the trade for mason plumley giving up a first rounder in that uh, and maybe also yusuf nurkic who, who might be a better player so we've seen these first round picks for expiring contracts it seems like those just haven't happened anymore. but you know maybe especially if it's a pretty good team, you could see there's so so many teams that are below expectations, have a ton of pressure to win uh, like the Pelicans do uh, this year, like the Rockets do where maybe we'll start seeing teams being willing to give up assets, maybe not for expiring contracts but for guys you know with a year left on their contracts and then maybe uh, if the team in question is willing to take on money for next year as well, but yeah i mean i agree with you you know who are the big sellers and who are the players on those teams that people want outside of Ariza? i'm struggling to identify that as of this point
0: yeah and is there you know re- a yeah, real you know a a level difference maker that was butler and you know that's why houston offered four first for him i'm i'm still surprised at the end of the day that that miami didn't keep pursuing jimmy butler i know that you know richardson's obviously taken a big step and they love him and they were willing to trade Josh Richardson at first and then when the, when the trade fell apart two times that was it Miami took Josh Richardson off the table but you know Butler's the kind of guy that I, I would think the Heat would have done just about anything to get but right now I don't know that there's a, you know, a player even close to his level you could get you know Bradley Beal is someone people talk about but all signals from the Wizards are that, that Bradley Beal's not available so uh, it's not like teams aren't trying I just don't think anybody can get Brad.
1: So uh, let's go through the Western I think th- this would be interesting and just say all right you know what teams does it make sense for them to give up you know whether it's a first whether it's a young player to try and get better this year i mean the warriors that really hasn't been their mo they're they're confident in their group i think um the nuggets would be an interesting one but they just haven't been at full strength yet i think they feel like they have a deep team when they're at full strength they don't have a clear hole necessarily to upgrade the thunder i think you know perpetually need more shooting but they are out two first round picks in the future you know i'm not really sure you know they're probably going to be more or Line, uh, on the buyout market houston we said for sure what about the jazz Uh, sitting now at 14 and 16. I mean, are they think they're content to just ride it out with this group and hope they turn it around?
0: Well, they made that, you know, they, you could also argue they made their move by bringing in Corv. Yeah. Um, But they're, they are, they're historically a, an aggressive team that, that maybe isn't known for being aggressive because they just, they're really good at doing everything quietly. Um, So, you know, surely I would think they'll keep, they'll keep looking and looking and exploring, but you know, they, they already made a move so that can they really make realistically swing another trade Um, yeah
1: i mean i don't see them going with like I mean, they don't have necessarily young players that are you know would fall into this category i don't see them giving up a first to get better i mean i think they've they've got enough flexibility where i think if it doesn't work out with this group you know they could move on from rubio and favors in the offseason and then try to build around mitchell and go bear a new group
0: nobody nobody almost no one trades a first yeah i mean just nobody wants to do it i mean we we saw we saw first in the the big cleveland milwaukee trade and it was just like wow a first is in,
1: yeah like a really crappy one that often. as it turned out um but and that was you know more for salary relief. any other thoughts on that trade here a quick digression but i know it's been a couple of weeks but anything that stood out to you on that deal
0: well i you know i i I thought it was a nice move for Milwaukee, even though you know they had to put a lot into it. But you know it has for for whatever potential short term benefits. If you if you think George Hill is going to help them, and it certainly has long term benefits in terms of salary. And you know they they had to clean up their caps. They've they've got to make moves to keep to keep Giannis happy. But things are going so well there that you know I, I just like what the Bucks are doing in general. The Brooke Lopez story has obviously been uh, you know one of the, one of the better tales in the league to see what a difference he's. The way he's transformed his career and become a seven-foot marksman and what that's done for Giannis and opening opening lanes to the rim and, and just how much that one little move transformed Milwaukee's fortunes. But the Bucks know they've got to be active. They, you know, they're off to a great start, but they know they got to keep making moves because they, you know, what is Giannis free in twenty twenty one, and it, it it's gonna be here
1: fast. Yeah, uh, and I think actually twenty twenty is the is the year. Um, and or, or no, I'm sorry. Yeah, twenty twenty is the year when they can offer him the designated player veteran extension. They'll be in the same position in twenty twenty that the Pels will be with Anthony Davis uh, this year. Right. Um, so Lakers, I mean, I I don't see them being willing to part with anything from the future. Uh, you know, maybe if they start playing really well you might say they could give up a first rounder but if they do that they don't want to do that just for a player from this year and they're uh resolved to keep their cap space open Pel's I think is one where especially because they have so little depth and the Mirage trade really worked for them last year I could see something along the lines of Solomon Hill who's due about 12 million for next year but you know it's not good salary um and then maybe they trade for someone who's under contract who's a better player through 2020 and give up a first- first as well but you know they'd want to protect that pretty heavily with Concerning the fact that they're five hundred right now,
0: I mean they're looking. There's, you know, there's no doubt about that. That they are looking. They, they, they would love to do something if they can, uh, because that, you know, it, injuries have been a big part of it. and They really have been banged up. Alfred Payton got off to the good start, and they only had him for six games, and now Miritich is hurt. It's been one thing after another, and they really haven't had their team on the floor. But if they can make a move, mark it down, they will.
1: Yeah, do you, you mentioned the lack of sellers? I mean, is there anyone else who comes to mind to you as just like players Players who might be available for these teams at this point in time or is it really too early to say until more of these teams fall out of it
0: well you know i think cleveland would still fall into the seller category if you you know they've made it pretty clear that if you furnish them with picks they like they're willing to take on some money and i i i think they're even though they've made two trades i think they're still in that mode um, what about kevin love i don't know how yeah i mean he would be probably the closest thing to a butler in terms of in play now but he's missed so much time yeah. he's basically he basically hasn't played this season can cleveland really construct a deal that they like when you know how much our team's going to be willing to give for kevin love when
1: he's just started a new contract and you haven't seen him all season uh,
0: it might be, february 7th might be too soon for a kevin love
1: team. yeah i mean it could it, it's an interesting one right i mean he is supposed to come back in january uh chris fedor reported in early december that he's not going to be available this year so it's one of those like oh well you know we can't trade him now, his value is low. But if he gets hurt again, if he plays poorly at the end of this year and then they shut him down because they're tanking, and he starts that four year $120 million extension next summer, it could be one of those things where it's like, oh man, I wish we could have moved him when we could have gotten anything for him at all, because his value could really decline. And then and especially when you consider the fact that, you know, you can trade him now and he could help a team in the playoffs this year that that could be a big part of the appeal you know certainly i would be looking to move him um you know i mean if you're just getting straight up salary dump offers that's one thing but uh- i think that's the guy because J.R. smith you know, he might provide some salary relief but it doesn't seem like there's anybody who wants to just clear now that the bucks have done it clear salary for 2019 20 and also just get back a player who's not really going to help right i mean i think any team that would want to do that at this point wants a player who's going to help and i think it's it's dubious whether that's jr smith at this point to be sure
0: well well the way it was described to me by one rival team is that cleveland will pretty much listen to anything <laughs> so they're you know the their their phones are open you know the phone lines are open and you can pretty much bring any pitch you want to them they'll they'll consider it all because after starting the season with these fanciful notions of hey we're going to try to hang on as a playoff team I think they've quickly deduced that it's
1: time to start. Alright last thing here. Again. You uh, wrote a fairly forceful piece. You could, I'm sorry if I'm mischaracterizing it there uh, on the initial drama with the Bulls uh, and Jim Boylan things seem to have stabilized at least a little bit in the last week or so they had a great win in San they're actually playing pretty good defense i think they're 11th in defense since uh, he took over amazingly enough with uh you know helps to have uh, some of their good players back but uh, what do you think of that situation there with management having him take over essentially committing to him uh, past this year uh and yet all this uh, crazy stuff coming out in public but the organization saying that they're backing him.
0: well my fairly forceful column i think the message i was trying to get across was coaching is is changed in this league and we're seeing it everywhere except Chicago right now that a lighter touch is the preferred touch and that's that's just the reality i think even Greg Popovich you know nobody that you cannot be a 24 7 365 castmaster in the modern NBA it just the players won't respond to it and i don't I, i think you know i don't know how how much coaches would be willing to address this publicly but i i think more coaches than not would ag- would agree with that sentiment and look jim boylan is a has had a very good career he's been an effective assistant coach in a number of stops he's worked under pop and you know he's been known as a very good defensive coach my kind of read on it has been that he's been this you know he, he's been the hard the hardest dry you know Tibbs 2.0 whatever you want to say because that's what man management wants and he's trying to deliver what they want to give himself the best chance of retaining the job in the long term but you know that first week i mean we're hearing about wind sprints and push-ups after practice
1: push-ups is preposterous
0: practices and you know you know practicing after a back-to-back and just nobody does that anymore and look the players have nothing to say when you lose by 56 i mean that's indefensible
1: yeah although they they would have lost by like probably 30 if he hadn't just taken the starters out right at the start of the second half and played their miserable bench the rest of the game were they
0: down 21 22 when, when he did that so and i think they have dialed it back some since then. I mean, the, the tough talk has kind of continued, but I don't think we've seen the same crazy length practices since that first week when it was just... I mean, you're you're not going to succeed that way. I mean, it's just... It, it, this is a player's league more than ever before and it's interesting. Teams are practicing less than they ever have. You know, everyone is so focused on rest, injury prevention. Like, teams just... They don't practice. I mean, so often teams are, are, are going away from practice in the modern day. So... What 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 the Bulls were doing in that first week after the coaching change was just so it, it was so markedly different than anything you see around the league. It just my take was that this this isn't going to be able to continue. Like the you know, Bulls, man, I I think Jim Boylan was just doing what his bosses wanted. So I felt like the bosses need to give him different instructions because <laughs> you're not gonna you're not gonna forge any kind of partnership with players doing push-ups after practice. I mean, it's just a, it's a different world.
1: So I understand to some degree where Boylan and the Bulls uh, are coming from right I mean the NBA season is so long it's harder especially when you're just playing so poorly to get better and you know, I understand what he was saying uh, about the conditioning and I think there are ways to get into better condition even during the season when it's not punitive it's not oh get on the line and it's not push-ups and it's not watch your mistakes right after the game when uh everybody is, is really kind of you know uh, feeling upset after a loss and you know if you're just losing games anyway why prioritize those games so, and I think there's it could be said all right you know we're gonna get into better shape here we're gonna try harder in practice yeah it may hurt us in the games going forward but we are you playing like shit anyway so we need to find a way to get better you know Quinn Snyder in a much lighter touch I kind of had that approach his first year in Utah like yeah you know what, we're gonna practice and then you know maybe you're not gonna play as many minutes in the game or we're just not gonna play as well in the game we'll be tired because you know we just have to get better in practice and this is the only way to do it. I understand that viewpoint but it's the punitive nature of it that, that I find utterly ridiculous
0: yeah it was just too much I mean it was just it was a level or three beyond the norm and you know I heard I heard I heard some people say had he had he been new had he come in there completely new maybe maybe it would have been received better, but he had been there already. So to, to you know it, that first week, it was it was almost draconian. Some of the stuff you were you were hearing that coming out of the Bulls. So I, I just think we're in this era now where you see the successful teams are trying to connect with players, build their confidence, make them feel good about themselves. It's just you know again, I think even Pop doesn't coach in the same ultra strict manner that he used. To. I think even he's he's modified it to a degree. And and you know again when you're greg popovich and you've won five championships and you've made 21 straight playoff appearances you can do whatever you want i mean jim boylan can't just do whatever he wants.
1: well and also i think going to the media and being so brazen about it as well oh we're not in good enough shape you know doing things like subbing everyone out like uh, the oh yeah what, what did we do we got on the line you know, use that specific quote and like you don't need to say that necessarily Like you can get the same benefits by you know, if you want guys to get in better shape by helping them get in better shape, without like airing it to the media and like trying to make yourself look like a, a tough guy, you know. Which I, and, and I think and yeah. even
0: even today, even even as we're doing this podcast, I'm seeing quotes today in Chicago where it's just more of the same stuff. And you know, the reality is this is probably going to be a story. You know, he's going to keep getting questions about this probably all season. So I, you know, I don't know that the rhetoric around the Bulls is 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 really going to change. But just my my gut instinct is that you know the the. Press practices will not stay will will not continue to be as long and as uh,
1: as (laughs) give me a a lawyerly word for miserable i think it's it's, uh yeah um yeah well and and i think like there are some good things in there with uh with boylan you know i think he's done a good job as a defensive coach he was on this podcast i I thought you know he sounded really passionate and, and articulate about coaching and so i'm uh i'm not gonna say that like he can't change and that this isn't gonna be successful but certainly uh, this is a rather unprecedented start well you said that jim uh his uh methods were a level or two beyond this podcast is a level or two beyond uh, what we usually do so thanks mark uh, again uh for joining us and uh i'm
0: just filling in for larue during his one hour of sleep <laughs>
1: <sighs> oh man you know you know him so well all right well it's
0: what do you got in Vegas so tell Vegas what are you guys gonna do what you guys gonna do in live broadcasts 24-7 coverage of the showcase I'm sure what do you got up your sleeve for Vegas yeah I
1: think probably what I'm gonna try and do I may even crowdsource this is just you know try to get as much on the ground as I can and then uh do a, a pod after that talking about like all the conversations we had and what the the scuttlebutt is uh, around the league um live calling of G League games from the showcase might not be what people are are quite interested in um but yeah I think that that's going to be it's just just reconnect with people and uh, have a good time. Have some have some good meals. I'm sure I will see you there uh, as well. The uh, what is it now? The showcase is a must. The, no The quiz. winter showcase now. Thank God it's in Vegas. Although now.
0: I'm the one. I'm the one person. I'm the one person on earth who wish it was still in in suburban Toronto as opposed to Las Vegas. But I uh, I did not if, get a vote.
1: If it were in downtown Toronto, I would be there with you. Um, I actually wish it were still in Santa Cruz because that's like an hour drive for me. But uh, no, I mean like
0: uh, Santa Cruz. No slight to say. Santa cruz but it was it is one of the most inaccessible places that i've ever had to go to for nba coverage it's not an easy place to get
1: well at least they they are not going to have it in sioux falls anytime soon <laughs> that's that's another uh another g league i like America. those
0: old cba towns, man you have no you have no nostalgia no sense of nostalgia i liked sioux falls
1: uh, have you you've so you've actually been to sioux falls I'm trying
0: to think, or did it was i in am i thinking
1: of i broke down in sioux city once
0: i've been to sioux falls for an nba exhi- exhibition game many years and pounds ago the mavericks actually played an exhibition game at, at sioux falls and i covered it which was wow. an old cba geek i was pretty excited about. <laughs> but i remember a showcase in boise idaho that was good yeah it's good to go to these places that we otherwise would never have a chance to visit builds character
1: all right well uh, thanks again for joining us mark uh his newsletter at yeah, the new york times de-
0: you're de- done with me I, you're done with me i can oh
1: come on come on I've, I've uh it's only fair to the guests to, to get them out of here quickly enough for like an hour here i always i always lie to you and say it's gonna be 40 minutes and then it ends up being longer so uh, I'm, uh no see you in vegas all right likewise Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest but let me play devil's advocate here let's see so no that's a good thing uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem uh, Reese's you did it you stumped this charming devil